From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. Hello and welcome to the program, another episode of For What It's Worth. And this week has had a lot of breaking news and it all affects our pocketbook. We heard from economists earlier this week uh, that debt levels for Canadians are getting to the point where they could cripple the economy. So this is the, 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 the idea that more and more of your money is going towards paying your debt and less money is going towards savings and paying for other things in your life. And when those debt levels rise, so more of your paycheck has to go towards your mortgage, your credit card debt, and other forms of debt, that then you have less money to save for your retirement, you have less money to save for uh, your kids' education, and that can put people in a really financial vulnerable situation. So how can we get through this time where life is getting more expensive and now economists are sounding the alarm saying that debt levels in Canada are at a point where uh, it could cripple the economy? Because what happens is if more money is going towards debt, we spend less money in the economy. We spend less money on things that stimulate the economy. And then that puts us into recession. It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, as they say, you know, where we, we feel like we need to cut back or we have to cut back. We're getting the headlines that say recession is coming in 2023. And, you know, we're feeling the pinch every time we go to the grocery store, every time we go fill up our gas, and that will trigger a recession on its own. And, on top of that, it's not just psychological, it's actually happening. And so more and more of our money is going towards paying down debt. So when we bring home, whatever we bring home in income, some of it has to be earmarked to pay our debt down. If more money is going towards paying down debt, that means less money is going towards the other things. We are going to get into this uh, later in the program. We have our senior business journalist from Global News on today, Anne Gaviola. We're going to talk about what's happening in the economy, and we're also going to talk about the holidays and get some tips from her about how we can be more mindful about the way that we spend. She's got some really unique ideas of how we can just keep our spending under control at this time. Uh, the other thing that inflation is doing is that many young people, especially who are graduating from university or college, they're already saddled with a lot of debt they're looking at the cost of living. They're looking at their hopes of maybe buying a house, but how long it's going to take them to actually save for that. And they're putting off having children for that reason. And I have a lot of criticism for these numbers that get put out with how much it costs to raise a child in their first year. So numbers can vary. I've seen numbers as high as $15,000 for the first year. And I have to say, that that number is highly exaggerated. It really does depend on what you actually buy for your child, what you actually need them to have in their first year of life. A lot of what you're getting is more about what you need rather than what they need. Kids, what do they need in their first year of life? They need lots and lots of sleepers, diapers, formula if you're not breastfeeding. They need a nice, safe place to, to sleep and a good stroller. And the other stuff, the mamaroos, all the extra bassinets, the super expensive strollers, the clothing that they only wear once or twice and then they're either too big for it or it doesn't feel comfortable for them to wear it all the time. 
all of that is extra. So if you are right now pregnant or you're having a baby and you're worried about the cost, there are a lot of ways you can keep those costs down by just being really focused on what you're buying and tap the, the secondhand market. The, the thrifting really is the most valuable when you uh, are raising kids because as I, I know this firsthand, my kids are now seven and 10 years old. I am constantly, even right now, they're, they're older kids constantly giving things away that are barely used because they've grown out of it. And I thought I could make it last two seasons. I saved it. And just today or the other day, my daughter put her winter coat on from last year. I thought I had bought a size that was just a little bit big so that she could wear it again next year. So what ended up happening is she wore a coat that was a little bit too big for her last year. And in the summer, she grew so much that now it's a little too tight. So never did it fit her properly. That's my own problem. I should have probably um, forecasted better how much she was going to grow or maybe just buy the size that she needed. Uh, but this, you know, the, if you go, there are items in secondhand stores for kids that are barely used and you can get them at 90% discount in some cases. So if you're putting off having a family because of inflation, it totally, I understand that feeling, but we do not have to fall into this trap of spending 10 to $15,000 in the first year. There are some things that you have to do. Uh, and really in the first year of your child's life, you're not even going to be leaving the house much. So your entertainment costs plummet uh, because you're not really spending much money outside. So that is something also on the other side that you will be saving. Uh, other thing uh, that is affecting, uh, inflation is inf affecting, is the cost, it, if you're a single person, what it costs to live in major cities. Um, you know, in Canada, rents are going up across the board um, in, in, and our mortgage costs are going up um, faster than any other G7 nation. So if you're a single person living in Canada and trying to rent an apartment, for example, uh, the, the average one bedroom in Canada rents right now for close to $3,000. And so that, uh, you know, this is something that for some people is just unattainable. Uh, you know, we people cannot afford to rent an apartment for that amount. Now, if you're in an apartment that has uh, that you've had for a while and you, your lease has been locked in, then you're not paying those higher rates. This really is for a lot of individuals who have moved out of the city during the pandemic. Maybe they moved back home to save money because they thought, okay, I'll move back into my parents' house, save money because I'm working remotely anyways. And you don't want to live on your own when you're isolated. Uh, and then now they're moving back to the city and they've given up those old apartments and they're moving into a much more expensive rental market. And so that is, uh, all of that inflation is affecting all of that. It's affecting people's ability to rent. It's affecting people's ability to, uh, to, to start a family and it's affecting, uh, young people's ability to pay down their debt because that debt is also getting to a level, especially if you have that variable interest rate or floating interest rate debt, it's getting more and more uh, difficult to make those payments. So we'll get into all of that later in the program, some tips on how you can actually manage some of those payments um, if you are finding them uh, unmanageable. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to an HR executive about what she is seeing for workplaces in the new year. HR policy has dramatically changed in 2022 and 2023 employees, employers rather, are really changing the lens on what they see as a priority for their employees. We're going to get into that so you know what to expect from your employer uh, in the new year. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huff. This is For What It's Worth. 
You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. We are so close to the beginning of 2023, and this is a time where a lot of us start making plans for the new year, right? We're going to make a New Year's resolution. We're going to be better at working out. We're going to be better at, you know, be kinder to one another. This is a, a one thing that I've been hearing a lot about. I think that's kind of my resolution. I'm going to be more sensitive to other people's feelings because I feel I've become a little insensitive, a little cynical uh, in the last year or so for whatever reason. I don't know why that's happening. But the other thing uh, that we do is we start making plans for our money. And it's not just individuals, it's also companies. Companies start making their plans as to if do they want to hire in the new year? Do they want to fire in the new year, lay people off? And as well, what kind of benefit packages and what is the priority for how they're going to support their employees in 2023? And for the last two and a half years, because of the pandemic, mental health has risen to the top when it comes to supporting employees' health and well-being. Uh, and especially as we work more and more remotely, HR departments have had to revamp the way that they look at their HR policy, how they connect with their employees. So to get a glimpse into what we can as employees expect in the new year, in 2023, we're joined by Cece Pau. She's with Clear HR Consulting in Vancouver. Hi, Cece. Welcome to the program. Hi, Rabina. So Cece, you work with a number of different clients, uh, businesses of different sizes. How are you guiding them uh, when it comes to their HR policy for 2023, especially keeping health and well-being top of mind? Mm -hmm. I would say the biggest message we have for employees, employers right now is that they really need to understand where their employees are at, because not everybody is going to be in the same place. Um, and especially, I call, it, I call it the hangover effects of COVID. Not everyone's going to be in the same place. So some employees are, are probably raring to go and getting back to things and others may not be. And so I think employers really need to be aware and cognizant of just where are their employees and where are they at mentally and from a health and wellness perspective. The the, the 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 pivot to hybrid and remote work um, has really changed uh, the way that we interact with each other. What kind of challenges has that uh, created uh, for uh, HR departments uh, trying to connect with their employees? Do they have to get them to come in once in a while? Um, do they have to proactively reach out to them? Because you don't have that one-on-one -on -one, uh, communication face-to-face -face communication on a daily basis where you just might recognize if you're a manager, for example, that somebody is, you know, is in distress or needs a little mm -hmm. bit of support or is suffering in some way. How can you mm -hmm. connect with people when you don't see them? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, the remote working, the hybrid working. Um, I think in a lot of, for a lot of employers and employees, it's, it's a really positive way to be working. It's efficient. You don't have to be on the roads. You don't have to, you know, deal with commute times and all of that. So there's an efficiency there. And there's, you know, we hear a lot about work-life balance. There's, for some people, more balance. I think, as you mentioned, on the other side of the equation, it does add this extra layer of complication to managing your staff. Because, as you say, you don't, you don't have those casual collisions in the workplace. You don't see if somebody is suffering. You don't. And so... It, it becomes harder to manage at times when you don't see your people as a manager, you don't see your staff every day or all the time. And so what we're advising clients is you, you really need to make a concerted effort to ask how people are doing and you need to make plans. And it's almost, you have to plan to have those 
face-to-face conversations, whether it's you come into the office once a week or twice a week, or you schedule more frequent video calls, but there has to be a way to keep that communication going and to just check in and see how people are doing. Because I think that is one of the hard parts of remote working, that we lose touch and we lose contact. And uh, as, you know, as they, as companies try to build out their HR policies, uh, is there a concern that you're hearing over and over again about um, employee wellness, uh, even if it it doesn't directly have to do with wellness, but are you hearing Mm. something from clients that maybe was not a concern two and a half, three years ago when, when before the pandemic? Yeah, I, I can say just from our clients the mental health support and the mental health side of things has certainly increased in frequency and priority. Um, I think over the last few years, and not that it wasn't the case before, but over the last three years, I think we've gone through a lot. If, if If we just talk about COVID alone, people have gone through a lot. They, you know, some people have lost friends and family due to it. They've suffered. Some people are suffering from, you know, long COVID. Um, Some people are super anxious. You know, the the amount of anxiety has increased around going back into the public, taking public transit, all of those things. And so we have seen it just in terms of work productivity is dropping. People aren't themselves. Um, We've had definite spike in clients who are experiencing employees who have drug and alcohol addiction issues that have cropped up in the last while or self-harm considerations or people are going through family and relationship breakdown because of the stress of the last few years. And so those are all things that, you know, as a human being, you need to be aware of. And as as a manager, you need to be aware if your employees are going through some of those issues so you can help support them. And they're not always easy. And they're super sensitive and most employees aren't going to come straight out and say, hey, by the way, I'm going through this problem. You're going to see it in other ways. You're going to see it in productivity. You're going to see it in quality of work or increased absenteeism. And I think it's really important for managers to be aware and just notice the changes that might be occurring. And if a manager does notice those changes, uh, they see that maybe someone is logging on later and later in the day, or they're handing in their mm. their um, their projects later and later, or they're not as enthusiastic, even being mm-hmm. remote, you know, to answer the phone or reply to an email. What 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 is the advice that you can give someone who has uh, employees that they know are struggling, but because maybe they don't get to sort of quietly see them during the day, they have to make a sort of email, you know, invitation to to meet yeah. on Zoom or something. How, how can they connect with them without making it too uh, overwhelming for the person that they're concerned about? I think the simplest answer is to just ask if you're noticing somebody struggling to give them a phone call. Like, I think we're getting into this habit of everyone feels like they have to schedule Zoom calls and schedule conference calls and schedule meetings. And I think we kind of have lost that spontaneity somewhat of just picking up the phone and calling and saying, hey, I've noticed that, you know, this is what I've been noticing. Is everything okay? Um, to me, that's that's what I advise clients all the time. If you're noticing there's something that's not quite right or something that's out of character, you got to pick up the phone and ask, are you okay? Um, is, is something going on? Can I support you? I've noticed that, you know, you've been late, you know, to our meetings every day this week. Is something happening that I need to be aware of? And sometimes just asking the question opens up the ability to have the conversation. It opens up the floodgates where the person says, yeah, I'm really going through something. 
And then if you do that, you can offer them support, whether it's there's an employee assistance program or referring them to benefits or encouraging them to see their doctor or talking to their family and friends or whatever, whatever support they might need. But you're not going to know by sending an email or a text message. You have to have that conversation. What about um, offering supports that we are, are much more unique and can be uh, can be uh, created just for that person, almost like bespoke uh, mm-hmm. benefit packages, where you know you can choose to use uh, more vacation days. Uh, and then, you know, have uh, maybe make up the hours in some other way or uh, mm-hmm. other sort of more more creative ways that companies are saying, we want to support you in a way that's most comfortable to you. Are you hearing about these sort of more unique ways that companies are um, are tweaking their benefits packages so so that employees can can access them in the best way that, that they that, that is for them? Yeah, I, I fully support that to be creative and finding ways that make sense. Um, I, I say to clients, like the, the one size fits all approach to managing and benefits and all that just isn't, you know, that's just not the way anymore. We have to meet people where they're at. We have to meet our staff where they're at. And one person might need more counseling services through their benefits plan and someone else might need orthodontics, right? Like, so finding ways to be creative, I think is important. Um, from a mental health perspective or health and wellness perspective, we certainly are seeing employers bringing in, you know, workshop speakers to talk about nutrition and exercise and health and yoga and meditation and all of those things um, that that are a little bit unique. We see employers who may not have, say, a, an employee assistance program offering counseling services through a counseling, you know, center where. You know, we have one client where they bring, they have a counselor that's available every Friday afternoon and whoever wants to book some time can book some time. And they've just blocked off that time for their staff and they mm. pay for that time. So it's not a benefits, traditional benefits plan per se, but it's, we're offering a counseling service available to anybody who wants it, no questions asked. And you know that that counselor is available. And that's just a private thing they've set up with the counseling provider um, in town. Yeah, those are all very unique ideas in some cases that we probably hadn't even heard of uh, two and a half, three years ago. At least the the priority wasn't given to them. Um, thank you so much, Cece, for joining us today on the program and getting us up to date on what employees can expect from their workplace uh, going into 2023. Thanks, Rubina. Thank you. That's Cece Powell. She's with Clear HR Consulting in Vancouver, getting us set for 2023. Uh, health and wellness, top priority for employers going into the new year. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking all about the cost of the holidays and how we can just keep those costs in check this year. I'm Rubina Ahmed Haq. This is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rubina Ahmed Haq. This is for what it's worth, and we want to talk about the holidays and how expensive this time of year is. Now, the one thing that is emerging 
from this holiday season is that Canadians are actually spending less. Why? Because inflation is at a 40-year high or near a 40-year high. Uh, we are faced with higher interest rates, so more and more money is going towards our mortgage payments, towards our line of credit debt. And so that really translates into less money to spend during this time. Uh, that has been obviously a negative for retailers who have been out in full force trying to get Canadian consumers through the door, get them spending those dollars um, in their establishment rather than going somewhere else. Um, but even with all of this going on, we can still go overboard. We can still spend more than our budget allows. And there are clever ways every year that we talk about, I talk about every year about how to save money during the holidays. But this year is unique. This year is really unique. It's, you know, the first non-pandemic holiday season it's really expensive time of uh, year that we have never experienced before, sort of the inflation numbers being where they are. And so that is, uh, you know, opening up conversations that maybe we never had before with our family and friends about how we want to spend our money uh, this month. Uh, I wanted to welcome on to the program uh, a good friend of mine and uh, a familiar name to uh, Global News and to Chorus. Anne Gaviola, she's a senior business correspondent with Global News, and she has a weekly segment called The Peak on Global, where they cover the biggest news stories, business stories of the week. And she also just produced, just produced a new series called Automation Nation. Hey, Anne, how are you? Hello, Rubina. It is a thrill for me to be part of this wonderful platform that you have for yourself now. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be here. And I thought it would just be fun for us to have this conversation because we both are money gals. We love to talk about money. And I, I wanted to hear from you during this time. How do you keep that budget in check? Like what are some things that the money expert does to really just keep budget top of mind and not get that January financial hangover that we're all so afraid of? Absolutely. So this is all about avoiding the holiday hangover where the bills start to roll in and you say, you look back and you say, what have I done? I think with a lot of advanced planning and a little bit of strategy at this time of year in December, it goes a long way towards avoiding that scenario. And very quickly, before I get into my actual tips, I wanted to riff on something that you mentioned about, you know, this being different this year than in previous years. What we know from poll after poll that's been done around this time of year, and that is different from what we were seeing back in November. November and October is in the hearts and the minds of a lot of Canadians. Uh, you know, we are, they think that we are in a recession. Now, it's not shown up in a technical way in the data, but that has really affected people's spending habits and the, the way that they're kind of approaching uh, their, their household budgeting and all the rest of it. So with that in mind, I'm, I'm happy to share some tips. Uh, the first one is, is kind of a two-parter, um, mm -hmm. and it, it has to do with uh, potlucks and secret Santas. So let me start with the, the potluck piece of it. So instead of going out to dinner, say with, with colleagues and having a, a potential bill at the end of the night at a restaurant that can go up to, you know, the sky's the limit in terms of what you order and, and how many drinks you have and all the rest of it, uh, no judgment here. But when you have a potluck situation, you get to control, you know, what you're going to bring, what you're going to spend. It is based on your comfort level. And I think this is really important and part of this shift in terms of how people can think about things that they're going to be doing differently this holiday season. And the second part to this is the, the secret Santa aspect. So on one side of my family, we're doing presents for the kids, 
but among the adults, rather than getting 10 presents, which used to be quite a lot in years past, we, we picked names out of a, a hat, I think. And um, we have a cap in terms of the amount that we're going to be spending on this person. And I think it really, it, it lines up with a spirit of giving because it forces you to think, okay, zone in on one person. What is it that they would like uh, within this budget? And it's it's been a real kind of test of creativity and it's it's fun. And potlucks, I feel, are a little bit more inclusive because when you do uh, a restaurant, you may uh, be putting somebody out of their financial comfort zone without even knowing Absolutely. it. Uh, because, you know, someone might choose a restaurant thinking, well, this is what I can afford, but not everybody, everybody can. And so when you do a potluck, I mean, it is immediately going to be a lot cheaper, to, for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, to, to attend a potluck. And you can offer to bring something that you can afford to bring, right? And you can offer to buy a bottle of wine that you can afford to buy. It's not necessarily what the group decides sides. Ooh, let's order these bottles. And then you're like, this is not really what I can afford. Um, you know, you, you talk a little bit, we talked a little bit about and points and loyalties. Now I'm going to preface this with, I am not a big fan of shopping with points and loyalty in mind. I feel like it incentivizes us to spend too much because we see all these bonus points and bonus point days and we go in and we feel like we have to hit this target. But you say that there is a way that we can save money if we have been sort of ignoring all of that and just collecting them on the side. And I think that is the key for this strategy. And I hadn't done this in years past, but what you kind of have to do is put on the blinders and say, okay, I'm not going to use this as any kind of uh, incentive or the little voice in my head saying, you should spend a little bit more because you're going to get a few more points. That's where you can really get yourself into trouble. But what I've done this year is uh, I used credit card points and I, I had just accumulated them. I was, you know, following my regular spending patterns and I purchased uh, gift cards for for my kids' teachers. And there was some recon involved in that I found out what their favorite stores were. So these are still personalized gifts and I think it'll bring a lot of joy. Um, but it, it was really good in terms of, you know, me not having to shell out extra for these important gifts. And sometimes you can get gift cards uh, through these loyalty programs where you actually get more value. So you're getting a $50 gift card, but the value of points you have to spend is less. So if you went into a store, for example, they would get, you would not get as much, but the gift card, they're giving it to you. You're getting more value on the gift card, but you have to really watch out for those kinds of days. But I do think that that is a, a really effective way to save money uh, just by, like you said, putting the blinders on and not really shopping with points in mind, but spending. With, uh, with points in mind. One of the things I've, I've seen, Anne, uh, in the last while is um, the, the buy nothing community, where it is just getting more and more robust. I've really hopped onto that too. I belong to a couple of, in my neighborhood, buy nothing groups where I'm often getting stuff and giving cool. stuff for free. And a lot of them at this time of year are putting up stuff saying giftable for Christmas. Someone yesterday put up how, you know, hey, do you know anyone who likes golf? Because I've got this, I don't even know what the tool was, but it improves your golf swing. And there was a bunch of people on there saying, I'd love this for my friend. I'd love this for my wife. I'd love this for my husband. And so you don't go have to buy anything and you don't have to, um, and that person doesn't have to throw that thing out and go into the landfill. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, getting thrifting gifts and getting gifts for free um, and, and what you're hearing and, and what you think about that. That's sort of a new way to, to get, get your holiday shopping done. 
Absolutely. And it is a bit mind blowing that we're even having this conversation on a, a bigger scale. I think that people are open to thinking about the circular economy as um, not just an antidote to the kind of frenzy of consumerism that we can fall into during this time of year and no judgment. I'm guilty of that myself, but I'm working on it. It's uh, I'm a work in progress. Uh, when, when I talk about the circular economy, though, I, I understand this is not for everyone. I mean, there used to be such a kind of taboo around re-gifting. I've seen the memes as well. Um, mm -hmm. But there are thoughtful ways to incorporate this into your everyday. So, for example, what I'm doing this year in terms of that circular economy approach and have been doing for some years is when it comes to decorations. Uh, and, and by that, I've had to tell myself, you know, instead of having a brand new look uh, every year, it's it's the same stuff. Uh, it's been put away with care. And I will permit myself to, to get a little something extra to kind of freshen it up a little bit. Uh, but this has also forced me to be more mindful about what decorations I'm, I'm choosing, uh, because I know that it's, it's not going to be, you know, several new things every year. Um, so yeah, this is part of that that whole rethink and I think it's really interesting how uh the public appetite uh that didn't exist before for these types of conversations these types of approaches uh it, it kind of feels like the stars have aligned for this kind of movement I believe you shared either something on Instagram or Twitter where it talked about how um I would love to get gifted a book that someone's read and said I loved this book I think you would love it too or this is a sweater that has just been so comfortable but I you know I think I've gotten as much as I need out of it here's the you know so re-gifting things that are pre-loved but they're kind of they're already uh, been through uh, a, a little bit of a review process so that you're not just going to the Absolutely. bookstore and buying a brand new book. So I, I, I really love that. And when you, I, it was you that put that up. Is that right? Um, so I can't remember that specifically. It wasn't on Twitter because I have quit Twitter. That's a conversation for another day. But ah, yes, the, someone's curating something for me or vetting something for me. It, I, I put that under kind of the category of the gift of time, but I guess it would also be the gift of insight. That's really valuable to me and it is so personalized. So I, I'm into it. Yeah, I think that that is, uh, you know, that's something that's really come out of the pandemic is that we've started to focus on things that actually matter um, and not necessarily the material things and how, you know, we realize by by uh, being at home so much that really it's just being together, which I, I believe, sur I'm sure you've seen the same survey, survey after survey shows, that's what most people are excited about this holiday season, just being able to get together and not worry about, you know, um, am I going to get COVID? Am I going to uh, get sick? Because there, there's just more people are vaccinated and people are feeling safer uh, getting together if they are feeling healthy. Yeah, it does feel a little bit more like normal, normal, but different, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just quickly before we, you know, uh, put this one to bed, I, I do want to share another tip that I have found really useful for myself. Uh, and that is avoiding self-gifting. I'm guilty of that. And I figured out why, Rubina, because okay, when I me. go out when I go out shopping um, for others, I am in a mindset of, okay, I'm on a mission to shop. I'm open to suggestions. 
And so what I have to do is a little bit of work beforehand to remind myself, okay, my mission is to get presents for XYZ. I have this budget. I want to tick these things off my checklist. And I can't get distracted by things that I would love to have as well. Um, I also can't uh, use self-gifting as kind of a reward for getting through my list really quickly. But what I can do is, uh, in terms of that reconnaissance, be on the lookout for things that maybe if I still want them um, and, and you know maybe the prices come down in a few months that I can also put them on a list and maybe ask for them for a birthday or some other time. But the, the avoiding self-gifting has been tremendous in terms of making sure that your uh, holiday budget doesn't suddenly double or, or triple. The, the one for me, one for you, one for me, one for you. Yes. That's kind of what <laughs> blows up our credit card. Um, and before I let you go, um, I wanted to to uh, to let our listeners know where they can find you. Tell me a little bit more about uh, the Peak on Global and Automation Nation. Is this something that we can watch online? Absolutely. So this is available on all platforms. Uh, the Peak on Global is a great discussion that I have with my co-host, uh, Brett Chang. He is the host of uh, the Peak Podcasts and, and the Peak Newsletter. We break down some, you know, some of the most interesting business stories of the week and we share our hot takes on them. And also the Automation Nation series is a look at how automation and robotics have changed absolutely everything about the way that we live and how maybe we need to have more conversations about what that means before this this train kind of pulls out of the station. And thank you so much for joining us uh, today, giving us your tips on, you know, what you do during the holidays, because I think coming from uh, someone who, who lives and breeds money, uh, it really does uh, have a different effect than uh, than someone just, you know, just a friend saying this is how this is how you can save some money. But when the money expert is saying this is the way that you can save, I think that that resonates uh, even more. So thank you so much for your time. You bet. Tis the season. Yes. Happy holidays. That's Anne Gaviola. She's the senior business correspondent at Global News. She has a weekly business segment called The Peak on Global, where they cover the biggest stories in business. And like she said, she just produced a new series called Automation Nation. You can check that out online. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. The best things in life are free. This is For What It's Worth. You know, the holidays are here. We're all scrambling right now to kind of get it all done by the 25th or uh, whenever you're going to see your friends and family. Uh, The one thing is to really to stop and be mindful at this time, not overwhelm yourself. I've seen so many great memes that have been shared in the last little while where, uh, what if we just, you know, what if we just didn't buy presents? What if we just got together and enjoyed our company? What if, what if we just, uh, forgot about all the consumerism that goes with the holiday season? I know it's easier said than done. I am just as guilty as everybody else when it comes to overspending, uh, during the holidays, especially when it comes to my own kids, which, uh, uh, I try to be, Uh, mindful of the fact of the signal I'm sending them when they get everything they want. And so this year, I am really trying to control what I get for them so that they get the message that you can't always have it all the time. Uh, Also, really great conversation with Cece Powell uh, out in Vancouver. Uh, She's an HR executive with uh, with the consulting firm there, uh, talking about what we can expect for 2023. And if your employer is not offering 
the mental health and wellness supports that you need. Uh, speaking up is is completely reasonable. Uh, during the pandemic, one thing we have learned is that people um, are making health and wellness their priority and they want more from their employer. And the employer has learned that, you know, you're not just someone who comes to work, does their job and goes home. You are a whole person that has different challenges when you get home. You may, you know, you may have one person who is single that goes home and has a, a, a different kind of lifestyle, or you may have someone who has four kids that goes home and then drives their kids around to all these activities and, and does other things with their time. And all of those have different challenges. Maybe if you're a single person, you're spending a lot of time uh, out, out with friends and, and, and out late at night. Uh, maybe you have your own anxieties about how you're going to pay your bills as a single person because it's so expensive to live in a city. Uh, it, it, wherever you live in this country, if you're living in a major urban center on your own, it's, it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty uh, high price tag. Uh, and then if you're, if you're, you know, if you're raising a family, there's other stresses that come with that and everything in between. So there are no, there's no one solution for everybody. It really does come down to employers offering options and people, employers are getting HR policies are getting very creative as to what they are offering their employees, different ways they can take their vacation, how they can extend those vacation days uh, by maybe doing extra hours when they get back, by offering money for items that maybe never were covered before. Jogging strollers, I was really surprised to see that one company offering that uh, to their employees. If if that's what's going to get them out and active and help them with their uh, mental health, then that's what they want to do. They want to be able to cover the cost of that, uh, being able to be more flexible with your hours. So you can leave at 2.33 in the afternoon so you can pick up your kids from school, but then the expectation is you'll make up the hours maybe later in the evening when the kids are in bed. And all of that is help, makes people feel a little bit more in control of their time. Like they have autonomy, right? They have control. And that is something that I think many of us lacked before the pandemic. We really felt that we were beholden to the hours that our employer gave us and beholden to the working conditions that they gave us. And now we can speak up. And I think that that's really important that we continue to do that so that we can have the best experience as an employee um, and as a, uh, you know, with your family on the weekends, with your friends and family, um, you can be the best version of yourself wherever you are. There is a new report out by Robert Half. Robert Half is a recruitment firm uh, and they put out this biannual job optimism survey where they speak to you know professionals across Canada about what they're looking at for 2023. And I was really surprised to hear that half of the respondents are currently looking at or planning to change jobs in 2023, half. So 50% of us are out there job shopping in 2023. And I think this really speaks to, I mean, the fact that the labor market is so tight and there is more jobs than people. So if you've got if you've got skills that are in demand, you've got choice. Uh, but this also, you know, a lot of us in the last two and a half years have had time to think about our jobs. If this is exactly what we want to be doing with our lives, and maybe it isn't, maybe there's a different career path that you want to take. And it's, you know, it's pretty even across the board. They spoke to Gen Z uh, and, and millennials, about 56% of them uh, saying they're more likely to make a, a, a career move. They took, they spoke to tech professionals about the same amount saying they're making a career move. Uh, if you've got technical skills, you definitely are in high demand. Um, and, you know, many people who have been in their company for more than four years, they're thinking of moving. And one of the best ways that you can get a pay bump is by changing companies, not changing jobs. You can do the same job at a different company because your negotiating power when you are first 
uh, uh, first um, interviewing for a job are that is when you have the most power to ask for the most amount of money because you're asking in the market that it currently exists and you're not relying on the fact that you know three years ago this is a salary set and every year I just get the inflation a top up and I'm not really keeping up with uh, market salary for the job that I'm doing. And as well, parents, parents, 55% of them that they surveyed are saying that they want to change jobs in 2023. So, you know, there may be, you know, they, they were calling it all these different, all these different, all these different terminologies were being used as to what's happening uh, uh, with, with, with the, with the uh, labor market in Canada. Uh, but definitely there is going to be an exodus of people from uh, one place to the next, you know, they may, it's not that companies are going to lose people. They're just going to see them all cross over because they're just looking for something different, um, higher salaries, better benefits, better adva- advancement opportunities. So if you feel that you haven't gotten that promotion, they want to change jobs. And number one, flexibility. They want employees want flexibility where they work and they want control of their time. And that's what CC Powell was saying was that HR policies are now being developed for 2023 that keep that top of mind. Health and wellness, mental health, flexibility, all of it goes together. Because when you feel in control of your time, your mental health is better as well too, because you know that you can do what you need to do when you need to do it. That brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much to Bilal Masri, our technical producer. Uh, We are on at this time every single weekend. So I hope you'll tune in next week when we'll bring you all the big pocketbook stories of the week, help you get more out of your money. I'm Rabina Ahmed Haq, and this is For What It's Worth.